Welcome to Lakeshore. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Welcome Smyrna Campus. We're glad you guys are with us today. Uh, we're going to do our service a little different today. Uh, we're facing some different circumstances today. Uh, if you're connecting with us online, you may be from another area of the country or the world. We want you to know we're recovering in this area from tornadoes that hit the area. Uh, thankfully, it didn't hit where our campuses are, uh, and most of our people didn't suffer major damage, so we're thankful for that. But it gives us an opportunity now as God's people to respond and reach out to others who have been uh, affected by the tornadoes. Uh, I posted something on Facebook where I, I reminded people that I had this, we're starting a new sermon series today, and I had this series planned over three months ago, not knowing where we're going to have a tornado not knowing where we're going to have any of the things that we've experienced and need to respond the way we did. But God knows in advance what we're going to be dealing with. And this message series is called Hope for Everyone. Now, we know that there's always a need for hope, but it is especially magnified when you have a big event, a big tragedy like the tornadoes causing such devastation and destruction here. And so I want us to take time today to start the service with, with prayers. Just join together, Smyrna Campus, anybody online listening to us, all of us together at the Antioch Campus, we're going to be praying, and I'm going to be guiding you through the prayer by suggesting to you things to be praying about and praying for and thanking God for. But before I do, I want to tell you how blessed I am to be your pastor and to have seen how you guys have responded during this time. Uh, I've been so blessed by everyone wanting to do something to help. So I want to clarify a couple of things. One is, not everybody can go on site and do cleanup. That's okay. That's not what everybody needs to do, but we've had people doing that, right? Not everybody can give extra financially to help with the needs, but some people can, and you do what you can. Yesterday, we had an event here where we partnered with other organizations in the Southeast Nashville community, and we had donation trucks out here. Lakeshore provided a truck and some supplies, and other people came and brought supplies to help out with the relief effort, and it was a true community effort here, but Lakeshore was able to help host that and be a part of that, and We've had teams go out to Mount Juliet Christian Academy and to Donaldson Christian Academy, to North, just all over Nashville, North Nashville, East Nashville, uh, Hermitage, uh, Mount Juliet, all over the place. Donaldson, we've had teams and individuals going out and serving in all of those areas out of our church family. And I just want to thank everybody. Uh, we also have some people here at Lakeshore that have businesses that have done events or special efforts to help meet the needs. I, I want to mention a few. They didn't ask to be mentioned. And they're not, they didn't do any of this for recognition, okay? I, I just know as a pastor I've seen this happening, and I like to recognize and honor those efforts that are going on there. Uh, Mark Gray, Southeast Nashville Heating and Cooling, South Nashville Heating and Cooling, they, they closed their business for two days, took their trucks out and their equipment out to help out with the recovery effort, him and his team there. 
uh, we had Surreal Spice, uh, Surreal McDonald and the, the restaurant in our community, Surreal Spice and the Bing Bat Coffee and Tea Shop. Uh, they worked together with some other people in North Nashville to set up some relief efforts there uh, out of our Lakeshore family here. Homestyle Bakery has done a special effort where they're doing this with uh, special cookies and things that they've designed for the relief effort and, and, and money going for that. Uh, East L. Harding Christian School, I'm on the board there, and one of the first things we did as a board as I have our president, Lindsey Judd, contact the other Christian schools in the area, uh, Mount Juliet Christian Academy and Donaldson Christian Academy, both which had devastating effects from the tornadoes, and offer any assistance at all that we could provide at Ezel Harding Christian School for those schools and the needs that they're going to have there. Uh, we also have uh, one of our elders, Jamie Jenkins, is the principal over at East Nashville Magnet High School. Uh, since they closed school there for a couple of days, he set up a, a center there for relief efforts where people could come and get needed supplies there and everything. As a part of our church family, it was so good to see Jamie in East Nashville School there doing all of that. Our Youth for Christ team, uh, uh, we've got several people here that are part of Youth for Christ. Jeff Schicks, who heads up the Nashville Youth for Christ, and Melissa Sheridan and uh, Deanna Jibby and others that are connected to us and have helped with other things. They banded together and worked with us and worked on their own, too, to go out with teams and do efforts of helping with the cleanup and recovery efforts there. Uh, Eric Murray with Smoke Boys Barbecue. Uh, and volunteers have just, as I said earlier, gone out all over the place. So I want you to know moving forward how you can keep up if you're wanting to help in some way. This has been amazing, but I want you to understand something. When we were looking at taking these supplies to somewhere where they needed it yesterday, almost everywhere said we've got more than we can handle right now. That's Nashville. That's the Nashville community, right? That, that's what's been happening. And we had teams wanting to go help with cleanup, and we were able to do that for a few days right at the beginning, but now, you know, buildings have been condemned and closed off and some things like that. Uh, they had to go in and assess damage and make sure there was security uh, around the buildings and properties, so they had to shut that down for a little bit, but before they shut that down, we had teams out there helping in schools and different places. It's been amazing. Uh, but they even had to turn away volunteers in all of those places. East Nashville, North Nashville, all these places have been hit. Hermitage, Donaldson, Mount Juliet, they've all said we've got more volunteers than we can manage right now. Isn't that amazing? That is just amazing. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that the needs are going to go away and there won't be more needs in the future. Obviously, right at the first response to something like this, you have a lot more people available that can get out there and do something. But in the months, the weeks and months to come, there's going to be other opportunities for people to help. One of the things they need more than anything else right now is financial contributions to help families just be able to get specific things that they need to get and uh, cover some of uh, the losses that they've had. Now, not everybody can do that, but if you're interested in doing some financial uh, donations, here's what we're going to do moving forward. We started this already. But if you will like our Facebook page, Lakeshore Christian Church, our main Facebook page, like and follow us there. We're going to post updates and links and things like that there to connect you with what we know are legitimate, because there's scammers out there too, 
but what we know are legitimate needs that we can respond to, and you individually can do some of that. We don't have to have a team go out and do some of these things. You can just do this on your own. So we're going to post some of those links. For example, the teachers at some of the schools have posted the uh, uh, Amazon list of needs that they have, and you can go there and just purchase it on Amazon and have it shipped right to them. You don't even have to deliver it yourself. Uh, they've, they've organized and done some of those things. So if you want to give specific items to teachers, that are trying to get their classrooms back up and running and they've lost so much stuff there, that's a good way. We'll post those things on our Facebook page. So just like and follow Lakeshore Christian Church on Facebook if you want to see those lists and those links and those connections. And if we hear of specific other things that we can do, like taking people to a place or something like that, we will do that. I will give you one other thing you could do. Uh, we have partnered before with Hands on Nashville. Uh, it's a good organization, and they organize teams to go to specific spots at specific times where they have specific needs. Uh, no one place does that as well, I think, as they do. But in order to go and help at those places, you have to sign up with Hands on Nashville. So it's hon.org, hon.org. You could go there. You have to sign up to be a volunteer. And then here's the good thing. They're not going to send out a team somewhere where they're not ready for the team to go. They're going to know there's a need there and there's a time set up for you to go, and then you can go help out in those places. There are other organizations like that too, but that's one that we recommend if you want to go out and do some cleanup and stuff like that. It's a great organization to go through to go and help out with some of those things. So moving forward, like and follow us on Facebook. We'll keep it updated. We'll keep posting things. When you see a post on Facebook, however, look at the date of the post because things are changing quickly. For example, we posted going out to help at uh, Donaldson Christian Academy when they first said, all right, here's some signups. Well, their signups filled up as soon as they posted it. So if you waited till the next day to try to do that, you couldn't get in on the first wave of people going to help. What a great problem to have, right? But so look at the dates of the post to be sure you've got up-to-date posts that you're looking at of the needs that are out there. Uh, we'll try to communicate as best we can as a church family. Uh, but we know the key is this. Uh, I, I've noticed some of this already. Don't feel guilty if you can't do certain things to help. You can only do what God has given you the opportunity and the resources to do. And be grateful for whatever you can do. But don't, this is not a competition, right? To see who can outdo anybody else. It's also not a competition between organizations like this church is doing this and that church is not. And, you know, we're not competing with any other churches or organizations here. We just want to represent Christ well in our community and responding to the needs that are out there. And I think you guys have been doing that. But I want us to keep that spirit and that approach and that attitude that we're not in competition. And if somebody else gets credit for something you did, I don't care. Somebody else gets credit for something Lakeshore did. I don't care if people got helped, if, if the needs were met, and if Christ was glorified. That's all that matters in this process. So let's not make this about a competition or a race. Let's just do what we can as the needs are presented and respond in love and uh, care for the people that are going through this. And here's what I know is already happening. One of the needs that the other organizations can't meet is a need that only the church can meet. It's the spiritual needs that are awakened at a time like this. 
If they had put their hope in all their stuff and all their success and all their materials, possessions, if that's where people had put their hope and that was wiped out, then where does that leave them, right? There's a hunger and a thirst to find something that has meaning for their lives. And only the church can respond well to the spiritual needs that are awakened during a time like this. And I'm thankful to be a pastor at a church where the truth of Jesus and the love of Jesus is going to go out to those people like it needs to. And there are other churches around the community that are doing an excellent job with being Jesus to help meet those spiritual needs around our communities too. So I just wanted to thank you first. And now I want us to take some time for prayer. And uh, uh, I think I want to do it this way. If you're able to stand, just stand up right where you are, okay? If you're, a, if you're not able to stand for a long period of time, just stay seated. That's fine, okay? I'm not going to ask you to join hands because of the coronavirus. Some of you are scared to death to do that, okay? <laughs> I'm not worried about it, but some of you are. Uh, you know, I, I, I started washing my hands long before they said you had to, okay? <laughs> I think everybody just ought to be doing that, you know? Anyway. So, but if you're concerned about that, don't worry about that. We don't have to join hands, but we're joining in, in spirit and in heart and in mind here, okay? Uh, if you do have somebody beside you that's okay and you want to join hands, that's great. Not a problem, okay? But don't, don't force that on anybody that's not comfortable with it. And I'm going to give you some lists, just categories of things that I want you to be praying about in your own heart and mind. And I'll just be leading us occasionally in some audible prayer and guide that. Uh, but let's all bow our heads. And let's come before our Creator who's bigger than any of the challenges that we face. And let's pray for some of those categories of needs that we know are out there. Let's pray. Father, we want to start by giving you praise and glory and honor. Because we know ultimately you are the only one that can meet the greatest needs that are out there. So I want to start right now, Father, by praying for those families that have suffered the loss of life as a result of these storms. Those friends and families that feel the, the ache in their heart because others have been lost. Only you can comfort them, Father, in a way that will sustain them. Right now, we just lift up prayers for those families and those friends. Father, we know there are others that, that didn't die but did suffer injury. We pray for their healing, their recovery, and their families and friends that are coming around them to assist them during this time. Father, we know that even if there weren't injuries or deaths, things like this can traumatize people. We pray for their mental health, their emotional health, as they struggle through this time. And Father, there are those who just suffered loss of their homes or their businesses, their facilities, we know there's more to their home and their business than just the buildings, but we know those buildings were important to them too, and they are feeling the loss of those things and what it means for them moving forward 
I just pray that you would help them and guide them, provide for them. And Father, we lift up to you the schools that were just devastated by this. So many of them were damaged so badly that some of them can't even reopen again this year. Others are trying to find space to meet in to cover some of the students that they can't put in the part of their building that's left. I pray you would give them wisdom again as they make those decisions and guide our school board members and others in other counties that are dealing with that as well. We thank you for those that are responding to that, but Father, we know they, they need to know that you will help them get through this, the teachers and administrators, all that are working on that. And Father, I want to lift up the first responders, the fire, the police, the rescue, those that were in emergency rooms that where patients were being brought in, these first responders have to face trauma all the time. And it can really take a toll on them. Father, please bless them and their families because they're out there now so many long hours and their, their families are also suffering the consequences of that. Father, bring healing and care to their families and to these, these first responders that are still out there doing their job every day, long hours. Bless them, Father. And Father, part of that is those utility workers that have had to go out and just work long, long hours trying to get power poles back up and restore power in those areas where they don't have it and they're at great risk dealing with those things so many times and their families are missing them while they're out there trying to get all this done and it's easy for us to complain about no power or the internet being down but Father, their lives matter a whole lot more than that. I just pray that you would bless them. And Father, so many organizations in the Nashville area and all across the state have responded well and I want to thank you for every one of them. The churches, but not just the churches, other organizations too have stepped up and really done amazing things to help bless those organizations that are reaching out and helping and providing funds and resources like they do. Father, I pray for the officials with FEMA. They're setting up their operations and beginning to organize their efforts. I pray that you would guide them to, to have discernment and wisdom and wise use of the money that they'll be using for the recovery. And I pray for the countless volunteers for taking time off work oftentimes or working long hours and still then going out to help. and They want to do something. They want to be out there helping and you're using them to your glory, Father. We thank you for that. Bless them and protect them. Some of those areas are still dangerous in a lot of ways. We just pray that you would watch over them and protect them from any danger. For all the ongoing recovery efforts that are going to be taking place for weeks and months yet to come, Father, we know that ultimately you are the one that restores, that brings beauty from ashes. You do that like none other. And we thank you for being the God that you are and providing the way you provide, blessing the way you bless, loving the way you love, and help us just to be your hands and your feet to show that to our communities. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. 
Amen. Thank you. Be seated. <laughs> now, I know some of you are worried because I still have a sermon to preach. <laughs> I promised the other people I would shorten the sermon time so we could have the prayer time. But we had already planned a message to kick off this series called Hope for Everyone. What we're going to do in this series is it leads into Easter and beyond. Because here's the thing, the event that we call Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, that's the core of the hope of the world, of every individual, every circumstance. The resurrection power of Jesus can give us hope no matter what. So in this series, here's what we're going to do. We're going to follow Jesus in that last week of his life as he prepares for and goes to the cross and into the tomb and then rises again. And today's message is going to be uh, centered around the theme of how Jesus wanted his followers to bond together. I want to start with a passage in John chapter 17. It's a prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples. And in beginning with verse 20, he prayed this. My prayer is not for them alone, not just the disciples that were right there then, okay? He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be, what's that word? One. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be, what's that word again? One, as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. What Jesus prayed for for his followers is that we would be one. Now, one of the great things I've seen in response to the recovery efforts is how churches have come together to work together. But the truth is, we haven't done a good job with this as Christ followers. It seems to only happen in times of crisis that we can work as one. You know the saying at Lakeshore, given enough time and opportunity, what can we do? We can mess it up, right? The church throughout the years did not honor Jesus' prayer to be one so that the world would believe in Jesus, that God sent Jesus to be our Savior. But the occasion we're going to look at today in that final week of Jesus' life is the occasion where Jesus knows what's about to happen. He's headed into Jerusalem, and he's going to be turned over to his enemies and taken through the mockery of a trial. And before he goes through all of that, you know what he wanted more than anything else? He wanted to eat the Passover with his disciples. He wanted to have that time of intimacy and bonding with his disciples. Now, friends, if that was so important to Jesus, how, do you, how important do you think that is for us? To have this bonding together. To be one, to have unity with each other in the body of Christ. And there are four elements I just want to touch on really quickly that they went through that night that help with bonding. And, and the reason I bring this up is two reasons. One is because of the response to the storm, but here's the other reason. We're launching a new session of life groups, of rooted life groups tonight. If you're not signed up for a group already, I want you to get signed up and be part of a group. 
Uh, the rooted experience is amazing, and it's part of what bonds us together to be in a life group together with each other, and we serve together, pray together, do all those things together. It's important to have that in your life because Jesus wants us to have that unity and that bonding, okay? But, but here's the thing. That bonding is it's not just going to happen without you deciding to do the things that cause it to happen. There are people in the midst of this crisis who are automatically saying, I need to be in church today. That's great. It's a good first step. We've got some first-time guests with us today. I'm so glad you're here. But here's what you have to know. That won't automatically make the bonding and community happen that you need in your life just because you show up for a Sunday service. It won't happen for anybody else here that attends Lakeshore either if you don't commit to things beyond that in order for that to happen because that's a process that happens over time. It won't happen just so quickly overnight. So here's some steps they took for that bonding that we need to have in our life groups and in our church events and activities that we do. The first thing is, this is amazing, but it ties right in with what's going on. They served together that night and leading into that night. They served together. Let's look at Matthew uh, chapter 26, beginning with verse 17. It says, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them and prepared the Passover. Now, when you just read they prepared the Passover, it doesn't sound like a lot, does it? But in order to prepare the Passover, it required a lot of time and effort and energy and some expense as well. The Passover meal was elaborate. It wasn't, it wasn't a simple, easy thing to do. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But what Jesus is telling them to do is, yes, I want this to happen, but in order for it to happen, we've all got to get busy and work together for this to happen. We want to have people around us in life to support us, right? We want to have people around us that, that we can connect with and, and be in community with. We want the church to be strong and be able to respond when there are needs in the community and make a difference in the world. But in order for that to happen, you know what we've got to do? We've all got to come together and work together and work hard to make it happen. It won't just happen without the effort, without the commitment. You have to commit to serving together with others for that to happen. And Jesus and his disciples bonded through serving together. Now, Jesus didn't keep himself out of the serving. Remember when they got to the room and they, they got in there, nobody washed their feet. So what did Jesus do? Yeah, he got up from the table, took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around his waist, got down on his hands and knees and washed their feet that night. He served too. You see, all of us need to serve if we're going to bond together, if we're going to have the witness God wants us to have in the world as his disciples, his followers. The Passover meal was something that they had been taught to do by God in the Old Testament following a great event. It was when the people of God were as slaves in Egypt and God said, I'm going to deliver you from that. And he sent the plagues and the final plague was the death of the firstborn. But he wanted to protect his people from that plague. So he said, here's what you've got to do. You've got to slaughter a lamb. 
put the blood of the uh, unblemished lamb on your doorpost of your home. And when the death angel comes by, he'll pass over those homes. Death won't come into those homes. That's how it got the name, the Passover. But there was more to it than just putting the, the blood on the doorpost. There was preparation that had to be done far beyond that. And a second part of that, that night, and for the Passover meal, was that they actually ate together. There's something bonding about eating together, isn't there? Let's look at verses 20 and 21. It says, When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. While they were eating, he said to them, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. So Jesus ate the Passover meal with them. They ate together. But notice it said he was reclining at the table. How many of you have seen the painting of the Last Supper? Right, they're all sitting on one side of the table. It's like they were posing for a selfie. <laughs> That's not the way it happened. That's not the way they ate their meals. It's a beautiful painting. I love it, but it's not what it really looked like. In their culture, they would have a low table that they would recline around the table with each other and eat that way. And so they're reclining at the table and they ate together. Now, the, the Passover meal was elaborate. There were many different steps and courses in the meal. In fact, leading up to it, they had to make a lot of preparation. Let's look at Exodus 12, beginning with verse 7. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat, uh, where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals and will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And then he added this. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So part of the Passover meal was unleavened bread. They had to prepare it ahead of time. And uh, leaven is what makes bread rise. Leaven in their culture began to represent sin. So he said, I want you to have a bread without that representation of sin with the leaven in it. Now that's hard for me because I like big fat yeast rolls, right? But, but for this meal, it was to be unleavened bread. And so when Jesus had this Passover meal with his disciples, he said, go get it ready. They had to prepare all that. The bitter herbs were there to remind them of the bitterness of being slaves in Egypt. And when they ate those bitter herbs, it reminded them of how blessed they were to be delivered from that bitterness of being slaves in Egypt. So there were different steps and there were different cups of wine that would be taken during the meal at different times. There was a process involved. It was very elaborate. So when they ate together, after doing that, they're serving together, getting all that ready you know what it's like when you, when you can get a big meal together and everybody comes over and you spend time together around the table? We don't do that like we used to as much as we used to, but there's a bonding connected to that, isn't there, when we eat together? You need to be that, that brother or sister in Christ where we're doing life together like that if you want to have that, that unity that Christ wants us to have. And then it says they grieve together as well. Look at verse 21. 
While they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad. And the word translated sad there means they were, they were grief-stricken. And began to say to him, to one another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Right? You're not talking about me, are you? Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it's written about him. But woe to that man who portrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas the one who would betray him said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. You see, they were grieved to know that they weren't going to be loyal to Jesus the way they said they were going to be. And it's true that Judas was the one who actually betrayed him over to his enemies, but all of them scattered and left Jesus when he was arrested. It wasn't just Judas. And I think one thing that bonds us together, friends, as Christ followers is a recognition of our sin and our failures and our shortcomings. There's not a one of us in this room listening online at the Smyrna campus. There's not a one of us that has been without sin. And so in that sense, we put Jesus on the cross because he had to go there because of our sins. We betrayed him and caused him to have to go through that for us. Now, here's the thing. God can even bring good out of that. You know what he can do with that? He can use that as something that bonds us all together, too, because we all have the same need, don't we? We all have the same absolute requirement that payment be made for our sins, by the blood of Jesus that bonds us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. When we wear the name of Christ, we're not saying in any way we're better than anybody else. What we're saying is we confess our sin and our need for a Savior when we wear the name of Jesus. We've acknowledged it. We've, we've not been so arrogant as to act like we don't need that in our lives because we've accepted his offer of grace and mercy what he's done for us on the cross. The scripture tells us in Romans 12, 15, to rejoice with those who rejoice, but also to mourn with those who mourn. There's a bonding and mourning together, isn't there? Last Sunday when we had our services, we had no idea what was coming this past week, did we? It was just another Sunday, another great celebration. One of our families here, Shirley McMurrian, the next day, Found out she'd lost her mother suddenly, unexpectedly, no warning. You couldn't see that coming. Nobody could. And then Monday night into Tuesday, what happens? A tornado strikes and causes mass devastation all over the area. Right? Nobody saw it coming. We couldn't have predicted that for sure on a Sunday last week. But one of the healing things that can happen is we can mourn together as God's people. We can mourn the losses. We can strengthen and comfort one another in the losses and the grief that we feel. God never intended for us to grieve alone, ever. He wanted us to have family, the church family, other brothers and sisters in Christ together so that we could grieve and mourn together through those times. We can also rejoice together in the good things that we see, but we can, we can mourn together as his people. 
So they mourned together, and then they did this next thing. They communed together as well. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Then when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. That night... When Jesus started that process saying, this bread, this unleavened bread, remember unleavened bread represented that there was no sin in it at all? He said, this represents my body. Jesus lived without sin. That's why he could pay the price for our sin because he didn't have sin of his own that he had to pay for. He could be our substitute payment for us. That night they had no clue exactly what Jesus was talking about with his body. And remembering him that way because he had not yet gone to the cross. They had not seen his body ripped apart, beaten and bleeding and dying yet. Jesus was setting it up for us. That moving forward, we would have this time where we could commune together and remember God's love and God's care and God's provision. Then he took that cup and he said, this is the blood of the covenant. He's saying, I'm establishing a brand new covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two parties that were at odds with each other. Our sin separates us from God, and it's the blood of Jesus that can bring us back together in a right relationship with him, with our Father. So he said, I want you to drink from this cup. This is the blood of the covenant I'm establishing now so that you can have relationship, fellowship, intimacy with the Father and with each other. It's a new covenant in my blood. He said, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And they're thinking, well, well, why can't we just keep doing this with you here? They didn't understand. He says, I'm not going to be able to do this again with you until I do it in my Father's kingdom with you. Here at Lakeshore, every Lord's Day, we come around this table every Sunday. And I'm convinced that we're not, trying, we're not trying to judge any church that doesn't do that. That's not what I'm talking about here. What, what I'm convinced of is this. We need this part of the service more than any other part. We need to be reminded of the love of God and the extent to which God would go to show us his love and his care and his provision for us. He went to that extreme step so that we could be with him where he is forever. And that place he has prepared for us. Friends, I, I want you to know if you're here today and, and you're looking to God and you're wanting God to bless you and guide you and strengthen you and help you, then, then it begins with you entering into that relationship with him that he wants you to have. That's where it starts. If you're here today, you don't feel like that relationship has been established or it's not intact the way it needs to be, then you don't have to go another day without making it right. We don't know what's going to happen the rest of the day, tomorrow, but we know we've got right now, right? We know right now we can make this relationship right, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's what Jesus was telling them that night as they bonded together. I'm going to do what is needed for all of you so that you could be one with each other and with me.
so that you can have that relationship with me where I'm always with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll provide everything you need. You have to be connected to him in that relationship to have that promise fulfilled in your life. So right now we're going to offer you that opportunity to come and make that decision to put that relationship in order in your walk with him, in your relationship with him. It's made possible through Jesus. Today you could come and profess faith in Jesus if you've not done that yet. Today you could come if you've not been baptized into Christ. We've got everything ready. You don't have to do anything to get ready. We've got it ready. If your heart's ready, you could come today and be baptized into Christ. Everything's prepared for you. If today you just need to say, I need to connect with a church family. I don't belong anywhere. We invite you to come and be a part of this family. Whatever the need is, I want you to know you can come. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you've made provision for us to be unified, to be bonded with you and with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And you've done it through Jesus and the cross. We are reminded today of your love and your care. And if there's a decision that needs to be made today, I pray that people would come, take the action they need to take to enter into that relationship and know your care for them and your promise to them for eternity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.